in, in these verses that, that we read earlier, we are actually on the eve of our Savior's crucifixion. And Jesus is keen to eat the Passover meal with his disciples. The Last Supper. The Passover was one both it commemorated the time when, when the angel of the Lord passed over the homes of the Hebrews, uh, those, or at least those of them who had sprinkled their doors with blood while they were being held captive in Egypt and which actually resulted in their deliverance from bondage and from slavery. And as we look at this, what, what I think is an emotionally charged passage, can you imagine being, and then we will sing a hymn, and then break bread and drink from the cup. Two things. There's preparing, there's betraying, and there's participating. Preparing. The disciples come to Jesus and, and they ask Jesus, where do you want us to make preparation for you to eat the Passover? Very simply, it's always good to go to Jesus and ask his advice. Where, where do you want us? What do you want us to do, Jesus? Where do you want us to have the Passover? It's always good to go to Jesus and ask him. And that goes for, for everything in our lives. But here, it is in regards to the Passover. And, and, and here's the thing. For as they come and ask Jesus, we already see that Jesus has somehow, he goes before us. And preparation has been made. And Jesus tells them that they are to go into the city and they will find a certain man. And uh, both Mark's account and, and Luke's account of, of this identifies that the man is carrying a water jug which actually would have been a very unusual sight in, in those days. It was usually the woman that did that. So, so kind of to see a guy doing it, kind of there, was be, there would be no mistaking that this was the person that they were to go to. That this was the man. And they were just to say to him, the teacher says, my appointed time is near. I am going to celebrate the Passover with my disciples at your house. Now, at this time of the year, because of the importance of the feast, because of the importance of, of the Passover feast, Jerusalem would have been stowed out at this time. R rooms would have been at a, a premium. And in order to eat the Passover, there were all kinds of, for want of a better word, kind of rituals that had to be observed. Even before uh, the, 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 the Passover feast could be eaten, there was a lot to get prepared. There was a lamb. See, the original Passover feast consisted of, of a lamb that had been roasted, of unleavened bread, and had all deeply symbolic. The lamb was a reminder of the blood that had been applied to the doorpost to keep the angel of death away. The bread reminded them of the haste in which they had to leave Egypt. Exodus 12, verse 39. And the bitter herbs reminded them 
of the suffering that they endure. It does us good to remember when we forget. And that's what this table is all about. And that's what the Passover is all about. We have to look back at that time of forgetting. We look back to that time of remembering when God saved you, when God rescued you, when he freed you from sin and bondage to failure. Now here is Jesus. It's his last Passover. And later on, the very next day, he would fulfill its fullest meaning. When on the cross, he would die as the spotless lamb of God. You see, just as we were thinking this morning of how Moses and Elijah all found their fulfillment in Jesus, so does all of the Old Testament. It points towards our Savior. That, that's why I think it's important that we have a proper diet of New Testament and Old Testament teaching. And here is Jesus, despite knowing what lay ahead of him, we see clearly that Jesus has it all in hand. He has taken the time to make preparation. We always forget that he's done it. And as his disciples do, as they are told, as they obey Jesus, we see that it is just as Jesus said it would be. He'll never let us down. His words can be trusted. And Mark tells us that the man that they were to find in the city carrying the water jug took them to a large upper room. And Mark says this, it was furnished with vessels. Furnished with this. Everything was prepared. The table was set, the room was furnished, and they all arrived and they sat down to eat knowing at least Jesus fully knew that this would be his last meal. Preparing. It's all preparing. I thought through that, I kind of, sometimes the way my wife, for me to go to Jesus and ask what he wants. What he wants. Do we prepare our hearts for our times of praise and worship? Do we actually really expect to meet with God when we gather here at 1 o'clock or 6 o'clock or 7.30 or whatever? Or do we just kind of come along? And in knowing what Jesus wants us to do, it was clear what they were to do. Do we do it? No matter how kind of strange or alien to the culture of the day it may appear, to, 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 to kind of think there'll be a guy carrying a water jug was just, it just wasn't culture. It just didn't happen. This is what they did. But they took Jesus at his word. And as they took Jesus at his word, they found that everything was just as he said. 
you can take him off of you. He can stand in every contact of his life. Preparation. Secondly, we read kind of almost unbelievably about the training. The picture is of Jesus and these 12 closest friends. These men who had shared in his ministry these last three years. And here they are, they are all reclining at the table. And then Jesus drops a bombshell. Notice verse 10. And while they were eating, Jesus said, I tell you the truth, one of you will betray me. Can you imagine how that must have affected the meal? You see, to, to eat together in this way, to share bread and a meal in this way, in those days was a sign of deep, close, intimate fellowship. And here are these 12, and they have been with Jesus in all of the ups and downs these past three years. They have lived close by him. They have seen him at prayer. They have seen him at preaching. They have seen him doing miracles. And yet, Jesus says, one of you will betray me. And Matthew tells us that upon hearing this, they were very sad. And they began to say to Jesus, surely not him, Lord. Scholars tell us that the way the question is constructed in, in, in the original Greek is that they all, every single one of them, expected the answer to be no. It, it, it's like, it's not, it's not me, is it? No, no. They had no idea. They just, they just can't believe that amongst them, is someone who would betray the Lord. Right to the very end, we are on the eve of the Lord going to the cross. And, and right at the very end, they did not see this coming. Do you know that Jesus, despite knowing what Jesus would do, And the others had no idea. And then in verses 23 to 24, we have words of Jesus that, that I confess, I, I find to be deeply troubling. It is someone who has dipped his hand into the bowl with me. That there was, as, as I said, one of the deepest signs of close fellowship. And, and they've all shared the bread. They've all shared it. 
And Jesus again predicts his death. The Son of Man will go just as it is written about him. With voluntary, yet also predetermined sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross. Who gave up his life for us. And then you have these words that, as I said, I find deeply troubling. Remember, this is Jesus speaking. And he says, woe to that man who betrays the Son of Man. It would be better for him if he had not been born. Can we ever say that? Wow. What about Jesus saying here? Did Judas have any choice in the matter? It's a huge question, that is. I mean, if Jesus knew that Judas would betray him, why did he pick him as one of the twelve in the first place? And we know, don't we, that if we read Luke chapter 6, we know that prior to Jesus choosing the 12 disciples, he spent all night in prayer. And so we have here, and we can't just avoid it. That would be the easy option. We have here the, the, the mystery or, or perhaps tension would be a better word of both divine foreknowledge and human responsibility. You see, Judas had a unique opportunity. See, and living close to Jesus. Jesus loved Judas. Jesus kissed Judas. Jesus washed his feet. Even giving him opportunity at the 11th hour to repent. We also see that, that Jesus kept this secret of betrayal from the rest right up to the last possible moment. Imagine the friction there would have been in that group if Jesus had fallen into any of them. And you may have many questions, for it seems to me that as one writer says, Judas was a responsible human being who made his own decisions, but who in so doing fulfilled the will of God. He is not, as I think it was Spurgeon said in his commentary, he is not a helpless victim of merciless predestination. Judas was lost. John in his and Judas did so because he did not when he had the opportunity to do so repent. shows us no matter how we, we, we look on the whole character of Judas brothers and sisters and, and, and it's complicated it's very complicated at Andrew Clyde's motorway 
But no matter how we look at it, it shows us, does it not, how close, how near someone can seem to be to Jesus. You're so far. Lost. That is why we are encouraged to know our calling and our relationship. That's why we are to keep short Verse 25, we have Judas saying, Judas saying, surely not I, Rabbi. That, despite, if you look a few verses before, verses 14 to 16, Matthew clearly tells us that Judas has already agreed to betray our Lord. And all Jesus can say, because there is nothing else to say, is yes, it is you. He even ate the bread. And in John's gospel, we are told that it was at that point that Satan entered. I don't think that we can ever begin to understand how our Savior was betrayed. Here he was betrayed. Stephen was also denied. As he hanged him, when Judas took that piece of mustard, just added to all the anguish that he was and was about to face. Yet face it, he could. Showing love, I believe, right to the very end. May we never be in a situation where we betray the Lord. May we stick close to him, just as he sticks close to us. And it's while all this is going on that Matthew then tells us that Jesus takes bread and a cup and here, he institutes what we know now as the Lord's Supper. Prepare trade for both participating. Jesus takes the initiative, he always does. He takes the bread, gives thanks, he breaks it, and he says, take, eat, this is my body. And he says, I say, according to John's report, Judas has now left. And Jesus now institutes something new. What we know as the Lord's Supper. And what Jesus does here is he takes two elements, two of the elements from the Passover feast, namely the unleavened bread and the cup, and he uses them. We notice as we read, and even as we see a table set before us week by week, we, we notice, don't we, the simplicity of the sacrament. takes bread, he gives thanks, he br uh, of course, we need to remember 
that this is symbolic wineskin. The bread that Jesus broke that day did not, was not part of his actual body, nor did it somehow change into the actual body of the Lord. That's transubstantiation. Jesus is standing there holding the bread. He is breaking the bread. Body and bread were then and are today clearly distinct. And we also recall how Jesus, during his earthly ministry, often used symbolical language. This is a symbol. This is a graphic picture of what in a few hours' time was going to happen to his body. It would be broken. It would be bruised. It would be battered on the cross. Then he takes a cup. He tells them all to drink of it. Jesus is gone now. Because the Lord's Supper is for all who know, love, trust, and follow Jesus. And he explains that this cup is a symbol of his blood that will be poured out. And I never noticed this before, but notice what he says. That will be poured out for many, not all, and not just a few, but for many. For the forgiveness of sins. I, I know when the Lord see there was and there is no other way for our sins to be forgiven other than through the sacrificial death of the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross where his body was broken, where his blood was shed and that is what this table reminds us of and it does us good I believe not in some morbid way but rather in a thanksgiving to be reminded that Jesus bearing shame and scoffing mock in my place condemned himself sealed my pardon with his blood elements all the time remained just that but they convey to these disciples a far deeper meaning the body and blood of the Lord and upon giving thanks for both they eat, they drank they participated in the breaking of bread and the drinking of the cup. And then, as they finished, Jesus says something else to them. Notice verse 29. He says this, I tell you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it anew with you in my Father's kingdom. When we read of that day in Scripture, it refers to the end of time. That day we only have this day, the day now in which we live and which we have to be accountable for, and that day when we will have to give an account for it. And Jesus says, until Jesus here 
and ease of his days. Those were the two things really mattered. So that faith then is retained inside you. And that still produces stupendous fruits. And here's a marvelous thing, brother, sister, and friends. Not only will he that day drink it again with Peter and James and John and all the other disciples, but he will do so with you and with all of your loved ones who have gone before who have really trusted and followed the Savior. And so Jesus, even on the eve of his death, he looked beyond the cross. He was told he that big stick. Look for the joy that was set before you. He endured the cross. And here he looks beyond the cross. He looks beyond the grave. And he is anticipating that time when he will drink the fruit of the kingdom and rule in his father's kingdom. Brothers and sisters, this is not only a memorial feast in that we look back. This is a pointer to what lies ahead. Because one day this table will be done away. That points towards that glorious reunion and never-ending festivity that awaits all the children of God. It's our joy to participate now it will be an even greater joy to participate with him that day in judgment. Amen. Amen. Shall we pray? Let's do that. Oh, to see the dawn of the darkest day. This power before us. We stand forgiven. We'll stand and sing the song, giving thanks to him for all that does and says. Thank you, Jesus.